Welcome back, Grizz Nation, to another edition of the Long View Podcast. And happy 901 Day to all my Miffians listening out there. And even if you aren't a Miffian celebrating 901 Day, I appreciate you listening to You'd stay on, if, especially if you're a Tiger fan, Grizzlies fan, whatever. Just stay on. It's going to be a very fun show. I'm your host, Parker Fleming. And before I introduce my awesome guest, let me tell you how you can get in touch with the podcast and with the blog. You can find the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcast. And that has every single episode of The Long View, GBB Live, The Core 4 Podcast, The 3ND Podcast, and The Starting 5 Podcast. And Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under SB Nation. You can find it on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. And my guest at this time is none other than the producer of the Giannato and Jeffrey show every weekday on 92.9 ESPN. He is the host of the Sound and Color podcast as well as Hoops Island. And he also does trivia every Tuesday night at TJ Mulligan's on Madison Avenue. I went last night. It was super fun. But let me introduce him first. His name is none other than Connor Dunning. Connor, how are you, sir? Hello, sir. Happy 901 Day. I'm doing great. I, just quick question. Do you remember when 901 Day became a thing? We were trying to figure that out on the show today. And because when we were like in high school and stuff, I don't think it was really a thing. I, I, I feel like a, when we were in college, somehow it turned into like a real big thing it may have been just the rise of social media it could be that simple but i I was just curious if you remember like the first year that 901 day was a big deal because i think i was definitely at the u of m when i remember it being a big deal for the first time yeah i would have to say it was either late high school for me or early college yeah i've it's definitely early college for me i found a a happy uh 901 day tweet from 2015 of mine a little quick twitter search I think that kind of just became a thing through whenever Choose 901 started. Whenever that oh, that's, a gr- started. that's it. That's got to be it. That's, that's a perfect way. And in the I Love Memphis blog, yeah, yep. all that stuff. That makes sense. Yep. And what a great way to celebrate 901 Day today. I don't know. I felt a little pep in my step here. I mean, I listened to a playlist of nothing but Memphis music for my workout today. And the, the biggest news in pertaining to the Memphis Grizzlies is they announced that on December 11th against the Houston Rockets, the Grizzlies will be retiring Zach Randolph's jersey. And on January 28th against the Utah Jazz, Mike Conley's Utah Jazz, they'll be retiring Tony Allen's jersey. And man, just what a day to sell it. Like, what a way to like announce that on 901 day to the legends, the pill- two pillars of grit and grind. Couldn't think of better marketing myself, man. Oh, yeah, the Grizzlies PR team. They're no rookies. They're no rookies, and neither is the ticket sales team either. 
like them having a t- the ticket bundle thing in the in the announcement of the jersey retirements was just brilliant. I, I love it so much. Uh, yeah, we got to pack out the grindhouse for those guys because I mean I said it on Twitter today. Uh, it's just it's really hard to explain to people. I think who weren't in Memphis or or who weren't a Memphis transplant somewhere that what that team really meant to the city because you know if you go back to 2010 2009 Memphis around that time you know the city was kind of struggling downtown wasn't doing great midtown wasn't doing great you know we had a lot of issues and nationally when Memphis would be talked about it wasn't the Memphis football tigers it, it was you know the the Cal era was coming to an end he was going to Kentucky and then the football team just you know was what they were it was having this GNG team and Mark, Zach, Zebo, uh, I said Zebo twice, Tony and Mike, it gave us something positive to really rally around with the city. And I think that's why these two Jersey retirements, it's not as much what they did on the court. What they did on the court was great. Like the, the playoff run, getting to the Western Conference finals, the all-star appearances, first team all defense, like all the memorable moments they had on the court is absolutely a reason that they're getting their jerseys retired. But I think even a bigger reason, though, is what they did off the court for the city. I mean, Zach and Tony have really embraced the city in a way that we rarely see with athletes in cities, especially when they're not from that city. So it's a special relationship. We talk about all the time that those four guys just have a special relationship to this city that you do not see in other with other NBA teams. I mean, to be honest, the closest thing I can think of it right now is probably Giannis in Milwaukee. Like, that's really close, how he's embraced that city. He's put money into that city. He's helping build it up. And you can kind of – it the you, you can probably – I don't know if it's a direct result, but it certainly helped downtown. When the Grizzlies got hype and, and the Grindhouse became a destination for playoffs or weekend nights, like you had to be in the Grindhouse to see this team play, it just changed how the city kind of operated. And then, like, it was kind of the first step into what you could call – the Memphis renaissance that we're kind of in right now. I mean, we're going to talk about it, but sports has never been better in the city. It just hasn't. Like all three teams have a shot to make some noise and that's really fun. Oh yeah, for sure. And, you know, I I think with the grit and grind era, it was one of those things where, I mean, I remember being a kid and I mean, you know how it is as kids, like your classmates, they like cheering for the teams that are doing well, whether it was the Lakers or the Celtics, whatever. It, everybody just wanted to follow the good teams. You know, a lot of people in my class, like when I was a kid, they didn't want to follow the Grizzlies because they weren't any good. And, you know, it was an organization trying to bounce back from trading its all-star. And, you know, they accumulated the talent. Mike Conley, uh, Rudy Gay, O.J. Mayo, Mark Gasol. It just wasn't clicking at the moment, and it's just one of those things. It was like, okay, they needed somebody here that's been through it and can help them win. And when Zach Randolph and Tony Allen entered the scene, the script flipped, and it just brought together some of the most special memories, definitely, of my my childhood and growing up and stuff really kind of molded me into who I am right now. Uh, but another thing that you'd mentioned at the end was like this Memphis Renaissance. And like the reason why I wanted to get, get you on this show, Connor, is because I mean, we're both born and raised Memphians and this is like a Renaissance of sorts because in our lifetime, we haven't experienced the Grizzlies, Tigers basketball and Tigers football all being exciting at the same time. 
like when Tigers were going through the Cal era, the Grizzlies weren't really any good. And then the Tiger football was going through the Larry Porter era, which was a disaster. And then when Tiger football was on the come up and when GNG was going, going up, you had the whole Cal stuff lingering. And then right when Tiger football got good, Josh Pastner left Memphis. And now we're just entering a time where there's so much exciting stuff and we're going to hit it all as much as we can really in this podcast with the three thing, the three sports that everybody ties himself to in the city, Grizzlies basketball, Tigers basketball, and Tigers football. So Connor, are you ready to get started with this one? Let's do it, man. Just one last thing I want to say is that with that GNG team, you know, you and I would not be doing what we do for jobs without that team. Like that's how much of an impact it had on like the city and the people here. Like I know it definitely changed career paths for a lot of people because they were like, that's the team. I want to, I want to do that. Like listening to 929 growing up in high school was like, if you missed the show, it was like the end of, end of the world for 16 year old me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's really cool. You know, Connor, I, I want to hit on Tiger football first because, you know, it's not really our specialty or our forte, but, and also too, they, they're just consistently good now. You can rely on them to get, get eight wins a season. But I think the biggest thing that's, that's on the horizon here is these renovations. I can't remember what's exactly in store, but it should really enhance the tailgating experience. It's supposed to add parking down there. And really just supposed to upgrade the environment around the Liberty Bowl. And Connor, I just want to hear your thoughts on that. And also, what do you think it's going to impact the most? Is it going to impact recruiting more? Or is it going to impact potential conference realignment more? Um, so I, it's with the renovations happening with like Liberty Bowl and Liberty Park being built and all that kind of stuff. To be honest, I don't really think it's going to really change Memphis football status and any realignment stuff because there's so much craziness happening right now in college football. It, it does seem best that, you know, Memphis kind of needs to stay put where they are because they are, they're in a conference that has an ESPN plus deal. It's just, I think that they're in prime position that if conference realignment happens, I, I would think that the American probably gets bigger rather than people poach things from the American. So I think that they're probably going to stay pat. It's not going to hurt them at all. But Liberty Park, I think, is just, to be honest, I think it's better for the city than it is the team because it's going to bring people here. It's going to be, you know, a 24-7 sports complex. You're going to get additional parking there. The unfortunate news is today it was announced that tailgating for this upcoming season is going to be affected because of the renovations that are going on. And it sounds like with COVID and everything happening, I'm not sure if tailgating is going to be a thing this year, which kind of stinks, but, you know, it'll be back next year, hopefully, when all this stuff calms down. But as it, as it goes for conference realignment, I just don't really see the Tigers moving anywhere. I mean, we talk about on Giannato and Jeffrey all the time. There's just no real benefit for the Tigers to go anywhere right now. They're kind of in a prime position. And like you said, this team, you know, it's kind of, we don't really know what this team is yet. Like last year, it's super. it's really hard to judge a team off of a COVID season when they have a brand new coach. Some of your top players couldn't play because they had to opt out because of COVID. So last year was kind of a mulligan for Silverfield. So we're really going to see what that team is for the first time this year. Hopefully they can figure out who the starting quarterback is going to be. It's going to be Gunnell, I think. If, if his injury is not that bad, it's going to be him. It just makes too much sense not to be. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, talking about the three teams is that they're all kind of lining up for the first time in, quote, unquote, a new beginning or a new era of that 
team. Like you have those Ryan Silver's Silverfield era really going to kind of start this year. Penny's finally getting, he's got his basic guys. And like, that's going to start this year. The Grizzlies with John Morant, Jared Jackson Jr. They're starting to consolidate that core. And this year is going to be the year that we hope to see them take a jump talent wise. They may not in the win loss record, but we're just talking about those guys. We hope to see make a jump. So I think it's exciting because it's kind of a new beginnings and it's the first time all three of them have hope for the future. They have potential for the future. There's not one that's being left behind. So I think that Liberty Park and the renovations happening at the Liberty Bowl just kind of go along with that too. You know, the Tigers are going into a new era. So the Liberty Bowl needs to be kind of updated. Liberty Park needs to be updated and just make something new there. So it, it doesn't become stale. So I'm excited to see it. I think it's going to be really good for the city. You know, everybody's kind of freaking out about the parking for when tailgating is going to be back, but you're going to figure that out. I mean, you'll figure that out. There's a bunch of neighborhood parking that you can do. You can Uber to the game. You can lift to the game. You can carpool to the game. There's going to be ways around that. I'm not worried about six home games, to be honest, for the year. I'm not like Liberty Park's going to be so good for the city and the money it's going to bring in and the tourists it's going to bring in and, and the positive national attention that it could potentially get for the city that I'm not going to put that aside for six days of home parking for the Tigers. Like we'll figure that out later. Let's, let's make sure that this is completed and looks really good. So I am really excited for it. And as a U of M grad, I think it's great. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, also with a tailgating, I need to pour one out to my guy, Jay Foster. They put on a kick-ass tailgate every single season. I they, they even showed me great hospitality when I pulled through for the Ole Miss Memphis game with my Ole Miss friends. And it's always a good time. So it, it's going to be a bummer, but you know what? I, I'm excited for the the renovations. And I, I think you raised good points, honestly, better points than I would have ever provided because I, I just kind of know that there's renovations going on. It's a parking garage. Right. And then there's yeah, this, it, it's, it's really right less. Now. Yeah. It's really less about making the place better for the Memphis Tigers and more so about making that entire area better for the city of Memphis. And now, we got a little bit more information about the tailgating. Sorry, this is kind of like it's happening right now as we're talking about it. Um, it sounds like that tailgating will only be allowed in design spots. So that they're going to have some spots in the – I think that you're, some people are going to get to tailgate. It's just not going to be the big party we were hoping it was going to be. For sure. And, you know, Connor, I mean, this is primarily a basketball podcast. I wanted to touch on football just a little bit. But the thing that's captivating the city right now is Tiger basketball because oh, yeah. of Penny Hardaway and his recruiting efforts. You know, one of my uh, fraternity brothers, he just moved to Memphis from uh, Jackson, Mississippi, and he's a big sports radio guy. And he's like, yeah, I've been listening to sports, like the sports talk radio around here. And for like, the past two weeks, all they've talked about is Moni Bates and Jalen Duran. And I'm like, oh, no, it's just like what's exciting right now. But it is exciting. And honestly, this was one of the biggest things I was looking for out of Penny Hardaway was with his recruiting. James Wiseman, he was the first domino. He was the, the number one guy in the country, but he was also so connected to Penny Hardaway that it kind of made it a little bit of a an easy get than most number one recruits. But also, too, once you got Wiseman, it was just like a trickle-down effect. You got your you got Precious Achua, Lester Quinones, Boogie Ellis. You, you built a the number one overall class because you were able to – get the number one guy so early in the process but now he showed he can go get guys outside of the his hometown outside the home state or really outside of guys tied to the formerly known as uh, team penny aau club with the Moni bates and Jalen duran and honestly if you told me like 
like even at the beginning of this year that the Tigers would get Emoni Bates, one of the most hyped prospects of the past five years or so, I would have said you're crazy. But you know what? Here we are. Connor, you're a Tiger guy, and you went to the U of M. Just share your excitement about Penny Hardaway and his recruiting right now. The floor is yours. Well, it, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you've kind of always – when Penny got hired, when Tubby went away, I mean, everybody knows what it was. It was more about, it was money. He wasn't investing in the city. He didn't care about the recruits. So with Penny, the first two dominoes that really fell were Tyler Harris and Alex Lomax, like getting those kids and getting the Memphis guys and starting that trend of them going to Memphis again is a huge deal because the market here with the guys that we have here and the high school talent that you have here, a Memphis coach has to absolutely capitalize on that. So having Penny Hardaway do that first off was fantastic, but in, re- in reality, all of this is – the NIL just changed everything. It changed everything for Memphis. And then on top of that, you have now the most NBA-centric college coaching staff in the country, and there's no argument for that. You cannot argue against that. They have Penny Hardaway, Larry Brown, Cody Topper, and they have Rasheed Wallace. They can walk into a living room and basically be like, we have 20 years, 20 plus years of NBA experience. We have championships, all-star appearances, connections everywhere. Come play for us. We're going to get you ready for the NBA. Oh, by the way, you're going to get a a pretty penny too when you come here, because I think people are underestimating the businesses that aren't named FedEx in Memphis and how they can help out. Um, It's just, it's extremely exciting because there's so much potential. And yeah, I understand it. The, who can Penny Hardaway coach? Can he win? Da, 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 da. Well, let's just go back and look at, at the end of last season when they kind of started figuring things out and they were beating the brains out of people. They took Houston to the, to the buzzer twice and they won the NIT. Like they've shown that they have the ability to coach, especially when you have Larry Brown now. It's such a moot point for me because I'm like, no shit, y'all, that they have to win. Like, but you, you're allowed to be excited about this recruiting class. Like, I think that that's okay. That's part of being a fan. You're allowed to be excited. You're allowed to be excited about potential and what these guys could be. And, you know, Amani Bates and Jalen Duran, their connection with Team Final and, and, and Rasheed Wallace and, and all that kind of stuff, it's so great to have those guys because they're, they're going to come in and they're going to have built-in chemistry. The thing is, though, that I'm most excited about, I think, for the Tigers is the base guys that they already have here because the last two seasons, the Tigers have been basically one of the youngest teams in the league. They've been rolling with freshmen and sophomores, but now they have guys, they have juniors, they're going to have some seniors, they have guys with experience that have done it before. They're not relying on 18, like, I know Jalen Duran and Imani Bates are 17 and 18, so this is going to sound kind of dumb, but I'm talking about like the base guys, the leaders of this team aren't freshmen, they aren't sophomores, they're, they're DeAndre Williams, Landers Nolly, Lester Quinones, these are guys that have been around, they've been in wars, you know, playing already, so these guys coming in, they have that veteran leadership there. It's they're really, they're kind of building it like the Cal teams were. They really are. It, it's it's a bit different because of the NIL and it's Penny Hardaway and just the intrigue of I think college basketball is a little bit different and recruiting now. But getting the getting two five star recruits and getting two number one classes within three years is unreal. And I think it's totally cool to be super excited about that because we haven't been able to be super excited about Tigers basketball in such a long time. And we talk about the importance of the Grizzlies to this city, man. That team means so much to this city, and especially the alumni that, that go there, the people that put money in there. When the Memphis Tigers are great, you can feel like a buzz around the city. Like, do you remember 2008? Like, I remember you would walk out, and, like, if you had a Tigers thing on, people would just start yelling at you positive things from across the street or just 
it really felt like the entire city just came together. And I think people feel like that they are kind of on the cusp of that again. You know, next year, it's going to be, I'm going to be honest, I think that there's like a 0% chance that they don't make the tournament next year. So like people that are talking about that, I find that silly. It's all about how far are they going to go. And the NCAA tournament is such a crapshoot when you actually get into it. I'm just like, just get to the second weekend and I'm happy, y'all. Just give us some winning basketball. Get us back to the tournament. Get that excitement. Get that momentum really rolling this year and see what this thing can turn into. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, there's quite a bit of stuff that I really want to unpack. And first is that coaching staff. It's pretty obvious that Penny's primary pitch, I know he said it before, I read it in a column from Mark Giannato, is he wants to let guys know that they're going to come to Memphis and they're going to be prepared for the NBA. And they showed that when initially the first two dominoes on Penny's staff were Mike Miller and Sam Mitchell. Obviously, different opportunities opened up and they had to move on. But they, like you said, they bounced back with Cody Topper, Larry Brown, and Rasheed Wallace. And if we're going to be completely honest, like we're not stupid, there's those guys too are going to have opportunities pop up for them as well, especially if things go well at Memphis. I mean, in the case of Larry Brown, it's probably retirement. But like for Rasheed Wallace and Topper, there's going to be other opportunities that open up as this program keeps building up. So do you think we're just going to see this like rotation of just these NBA guys just come in and it's like, oh, the Tigers are in the running to get this guy as an assistant coach or go get this former NBA Hall of Famer in as an assistant coach. Like, Do you, do you think it's going to be something like that? Like, I think that'd be pretty cool to be honest. Be like, all right, Penny, which, <laughs> which guy are you bringing in next? Like, is he going to bring in Shaq very- next? It could be. I mean, it's kind of similar to like the players in the NBA draft. It's like, you know, even though James Wiseman, did, even though that didn't work out like we had hoped, you know, he impresses the two were still lottery picks. Like you had two lottery picks come out of that season. You're going to probably have a few more lottery picks coming up in the next NBA draft. So like if people see that Memphis is a place that you can go and then you can get a great job after it, then why not? Yeah, that could definitely be a thing. I mean, Cody Topper, he's going to have an NBA job soon. I think like he's one of the best shooting coaches you can have around. He, like, just go ask Devin Booker about it. You know, he, he helped out Devin Booker so much. He's an amazing coach, X's and O's, and he knows how to connect with his guys. He's a good recruiter. I think Cody Topper, the, the, like, the roof of the ceiling for this dude, like, he's going to be great. And then Larry Brown, yeah, if, if he does anything, he's probably going to retire. But then guys like Rasheed Wallace, I do think are going to go on to do better things. I mean, when Rasheed came in, we also had Bonzi Wells come to the city. He's doing Moyne Owen. And he talked about how the plan was for – him and Sheed to be the coaches there. But then Penny was like, yo, you want to come coach the Tigers? And Sheed was like, yeah, I can do that. So maybe it's Bonzi Wells is the replacement for Rashid Wallace. You never know. But I think what is so exciting about this team is the national buzz that they have too. Like you have NBA guys tweeting about the Memphis Tigers. You have them commenting on Instagram pages like John, Jaron. They've really embraced the city in that, in that program. And I think that that's really important. Like when you have an NBA team, that is so connected to your college team in the same city, that's a big deal. When guys see that they can come here, I mean, John Morant's probably on some kid's wall right now that's going to play for the Memphis Tigers within the next two to three years. How awesome is that? How, like, he, he might be on one of the Lawson's walls right now. Like, Memphis kids, it's such a big pull to the city. And then on top of that, you have, like, LeBron James is tweeting about Imani Bates in Memphis multiple times a week. Like, how big of a deal is that? First off, Bronny's going to be a Memphis Tiger. 
it's going to be amazing. We're going to have LeBron James sitting courtside. He, maybe he's the next assistant coach for him. You never know. Just, you know, LeBron, just come to the Grizzlies for one year. Just come to the Grizzlies for one year. Watch your son play. Just do, just do us all a solid there. But I think it's that the momentum around this team is so positive. I just hope, I hope it stays on that track. And to be honest, there's nothing like you have the the possible investigation hammer coming, but I doubt, I just, I don't know. I feel like if they were going to do anything for this season, it would have already happened. So I'm ready to roll with it. But to your question, I do think that Memphis could be a, a jumping off point for coaches that are trying to get some experience because what assistant coach doesn't want to come here and learn from Larry Brown. Right. No, it's, it's definitely exciting. And honestly, if Bronny came to Memphis and LeBron <laughs> I'm kidding about that, well, but it could happen. No, I, I think I was going to say, I think you would just like blow up. Like, I think you would just, that <laughs> I, would just, I think I would just disintegrate. Right yeah. Yeah. You would ascend into heaven, but Connor last, uh, last note on the Tigers. I do want to ask you is aside from Amoni Bates and Jalen Duran and whatever they provide, what must happen for the Tigers to like reach the goals of, you know, getting to that second weekend in the NCAA tournament where they're in the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight or getting to a Final Four? I don't want to get anybody too excited here, but like a national yeah. championship. I kind of outlined some reasons in a recent blog post, but I want to hear your thoughts first. So, I mean, we already know that this team's going to be unreal on the defensive end of the basketball, so I'm not really nervous about that. If we're, if, let's be honest about stuff. It's going to be the chemistry and the rotation. That's going to decide stuff. They have to figure out the chemistry. They got to figure out the minutes. They got to figure out the rotation, which they're going to do. I think the offense is going to be better. Uh, the point guard play is going to be a big deal. If Imani can do the point guard play decently enough, I think that that's going to be good. Lester's probably going to get some run there. DeAndre Williams, he brought the ball up sometimes last year. I mean, you have a lot of guys that get, can handle the basketball, but you just don't really have like a true point guard. You have Alex Lomax, who is a great one to have in, in moments that you need him, but he does turn the ball over a little bit, but he's a really good defender and he's kind of the heart of the team. So he's definitely going to be in the rotation a little bit. It's just, I think it's going to be point guard play and if they can just consistently score the basketball. I know that that's, a, that's kind of black and white and not super – that's not like a hot take or anything, but that's at the end of the day, that's what it's going to be. Their defense is going to be unbelievable. Like they're going to be mm -hmm. so hard to score on. Like just go look at the wingspans of the guys that are probably going to start. It's going to be so hard to score on this team. It's going to, all, all it's going to be about is how this team works on the offensive end. Do they have chemistry? Do they have a point guard play that can, that can play make is Imani Bates comfortable as the shot creator? I think, and that's the biggest thing about Imani Bates. I think I've been talking to some people that used to be on the Memphis Tiger staff that I know, and all of them say that Imani Bates is just, he's the best shot creator that they've had since Jeremiah Martin. And I don't really think you can argue against that. Like Boogie Ellis, you hoped was going to be that guy, but he just didn't work out here. I wish him the best at USC. I think he's probably going to have a good year. He's back closer to home. He's a little homesick. So he's probably going to do better there. But Imani Bates is really that dude where you go and watch his tape, man. Like that dude can just create off the dribble. He's a good catch and shoot. He's already got chemistry with Jalen Duran. So I think it's going to be about can they just have a playmaker on the offensive end? And if the, and if the answer is yes, they're going to be really, really good. It's just they're, they're probably going to – I think people need to be prepared for them to maybe lose one or two big games early while they're still kind of figuring it out. But by the end of the season, I think they're going to beat the living hell out of people. Like conference play is going to get ugly because this team's going to just overwhelm people with talent. You're not going to be you're, – you're not going to do anything against them. Like what's UCF going to do against the Tigers? Like good Lord, that's going to be a beatdown. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. I, not even just, like, the talent, but just the size. I mean, a right. sort of lineup of Imoni Bates, Lester Quinones, 
Landers knowledge. Wait, what is it? Quinones. Quinones. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, dude. It's hey, I'm new to Tiger basketball. Coming some slides. Fair here. enough. Fair enough. Landers Nolly, DeAndre Williams, Jalen Duran. Nobody in that lineup is under six four. I think right. Lester's bigger than people five. think. Yeah, but Lester's a lot bigger than people think, and he's a lot better than I mean, you know, like Lester might be my favorite player on the entire team. That dude is a glue guy oh, through yeah. and through. He's a great three and D guy. He shot 40% from three last year. He just didn't have a high volume yet. He kind of struggled early on, but he had a great close of the season. But that dude defends like crazy. It's so much fun to see. He's got an NBA pop, NBA body. He's big, man. He's built like a brick house. So mm-hmm. he's going to be really valuable to them. And then, yeah, the rest of that starting lineup, it's just, it's just length, man. It's going to be awesome to see. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it kind of leads into – what my my big thing is for the Tigers if they want to reach these goals, and I'm pro- it's probably too much to say here because there's only so many college players a year that ends up, that end up going to the pros, but they need another NBA prospect leap from somebody on that team. And I'm not even just saying somebody that joins Bates and Duran and Lottery. I'm not saying that. I'm like, can they go get a guy that can? wind up like in the second round or in the late yeah, first I, round i mean they they've got them the, the, the good news is is that they've already got the guys that could possibly do that oh, yeah. the ones that would be the ones that would be in the rotation this year the biggest one's probably earl timberlake like earl timberlake from miami if his shoulder mm-hmm. is going to be okay and he can really provide dude is a score he's a baller man he's going to really hoop it's going to be all about like do you bring him off the bench do you bring landers off the bench do you bring Lester off the bench. It's just going to be who's going to be your sixth man is going to be a really big deal for this team, I think. Um, I think Lester could be that guy. You know, he started to get some buzz last year because he was really good in the conference tournament. Mm-hmm. And I know that Jason Smith, John Martin, and I have been preaching his have been preaching his gospel on the station here for the last few weeks, saying like this is the guy you got to look out for. Lester's a, Lester, uh, or not Lester, Landers is just a straight, straight up score. He's got NBA potential. He needs to kind of fill his game out a little bit more. But then you have like guys like DeAndre Williams. Like he's one of those that could be a late second round pick or he might be able to sign on with the team if he doesn't go drafted. So they have those guys for sure. And then you have these younger guys like like Minot and and John Camden and and the Lawsons. Like you have all these guys too where the depth is a really big deal too because what hindered the team last year so much was that, you know, DJ did go down. We lost James White. Like we had so many things kind of go wrong with that Mm -hmm. team. And then they didn't have any depth. But this year, like, if you have an injury with one of these big guys, it's going to absolutely hurt. It's going to definitely hurt and probably lower the ceiling of this team. But you have the depth there to where somebody can step up and say, you know what, I got this. Let's keep it moving. So I think that's that's really exciting about the team, too, is that you're, you're right. Jalen Duran, Imani Bates, you know that they're going to be awesome. I think you know that DeAndre Williams is going to be awesome. And then it's like if Landers or Lester take another leap, sky's the limit. Right. Absolutely. And that that's, and I wrote about that on my uh, personal blog portfolio page at Parker Fleming blog.com. And, you know, I, I did, I didn't mention Timberlake in my initial thing. I have him in the post, but I didn't mention him in the starting lineup because I don't know what his shoulder is going to be doing at the moment. Right. Uh, it, that, we, we really haven't gotten a definitive answer on that. We've been told that he is progressing well, which you take it, take that as you will. Absolutely. And then obviously DeAndre Williams, but the fact that he is going to end up coming into the league almost the same age as Brandon Clark kind of, <laughs> kind of put, probably puts him off draft radar, but probably undrafted rookie target for sure. The really two big ones are Landers and 
uh, Lester because when Nolly, like, he was really good from three. Like, 30. Who's your best score? Yeah, 38% from three, six attempts per game, 88th percentile in points per spot up possession. And then Lester, man, he's just a dog, dude. Like, the. I think the thing that caught me the most, it's like, okay, you had this guy that shoots 40% from three on four attempts a game. And then between the conference tournament and the NIT tournament, he averaged almost 10 rebounds a game. Grant, six games, but the fact that your guard is doing that is unbelievable. Like, he's already showing that he could play a role. It's like, how is that not enticing to NBA guys that you have this 6'5 wing that can create for others, defend uh, across the perimeter, rebound like a madman, and shoot threes. Like, I, I feel like that's like a commodity in today's NBA. It's just a wing that can come in, fill a roll off the bench, and give you good minutes. So I'll be very intrigued as to what they do there. But, Connor, unless you have any other Tiger things to add real quick. Yeah, I mean, just if you want to go back and you want to look at that 2018 team and kind of how they're built, just that's kind of how, you know, I think, like you said, like they needed those guys like Antonio Anderson that just kind of did everything for them or the Joey Dorseys who just, they were the brute force down low, which the, which I'm sorry, the Grizzlies, the Tigers haven't really had like Musa was good down low defensively. Dude couldn't catch the basketball if he threw it to him, which was a problem, but Jalen Duran's going to be able to do both. Like he's going to be a rim protector and he can catch the basketball. So it's a positive. Absolutely. So that's about all the Tiger talk we have, but on the other side of this ad break, we will be talking about the Memphis Grizzlies. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back. All right, Connor. So the Grizzlies, let's be real. It's really exciting right now. It's year two of the rebuild. They were already in the playoffs. They stole a game against the best team in the West. And you have your superstar in John Morant. You have a guy you think you that can join him as a star in Jaron Jackson Jr. You have a bunch of role players that are all just very likable and you see features with any of them. Like, you can make an argument probably from, like, three to about 11 or 12 down the depth chart. You can make an argument for them being in the next great iteration of contending Grizzlies teams. And that's a luxury to have, especially uh, this early in the rebuild. But it really all starts with John Moran. Anybody would tell you that. If the Grizzlies did not dra- get the lottery odds to get John Morant, the second pick in the 2019 draft, none of this would be possible right now. But I think the thing that's so cool and so special about John Morant, for one, on the court, just his ability to rise up in big moments. I mean, he averaged 30 a game against Utah in, those fi- in that five-game series. And he, a lot of times looks like the best player on the floor or even behind Donovan Mitchell as the second best or going toe-to-toe with him. But also off the court, he just has his star aura to him. I mean, this is like kind of like off-topic-ish here. Like I was watching a TikTok last night, and it was like in, like if the NBA was a school, and so like obviously has like principal Adam Silver, but like the cool <laughs> guy everybody wants to be, and it was John Morant. So just the fact that we have a guy with that star gravity around him, Connor, is just super cool to see. And he also embraces the city. I love it. I, I think this is just unbelievable for the city. And, like, what do you think is in store for this year three leap? Do you think we'll see 
a little more – John doesn't care about stats. He really doesn't. But do you know – do you, you kind of see that little quasi-elite to where he's going like 22-8 and eight every single night? Yeah, why not? Like that's the thing. It's like with John, every single expectation we've ever set with him, he's exceeded it. So, yeah, absolutely I think he can do that. I have no reason not to think he can do that. And to your point, it is – I think it's really important because we've never had – a type of dude like John before. We just we just never have in Memphis. We've had really good basketball teams, those GNG teams, but we did not have the high flying, exciting guy that can drop forty at you in the blink of an eye. Like we just ne- we've never had that before. And him being so invested in the city and really helping out the Tigers and really being a part of the community is a really big deal because you want him to embrace the city and you want that relationship to be built for when you know the time comes later on. You want him to just be able to sign that dotted line super quickly, which I think he will. I have no worries about. John Morant leaving, but you know, as a team next year, I think the team's going to be kind of similar to what they were last year. They may struggle a little bit more. They may lose a little bit more, but I don't really think it's going to be a huge amount. I know people are nervous about Jonas Valanciunas being away, but we've talked about it a few times. We've talked about it on the station here a whole bunch. I think it's kind of that they're just relying on Jaron Jackson Jr. to really kind of take a leap next year and be that offensive presence that Jonas Valanciunas was because you know, Jonas was a great guy to have as a release valve. If the offense was stalling, throw that ball down to the big man, let him get a bucket. Very similar to kind of the GNG days with Zebo. Throw the ball to Zebo on the on on the corner, let him get a bucket, dude. I'll just. Would, would, do you remember the buzz that used to happen in the grindhouse when Zach would catch the ball? Yes, it was basically. Uh, all right, this defender's in trouble. He's about right. Zach Randolph's about to you, go get a bucket. Yeah, that happens now when Jaw touches the basketball. <laughs> How exciting is that? That every single play you get that feeling and that he's the leader of the team and that he, you could argue he could be the best point guard in the NBA within the next five years and no one can tell you otherwise. So you could make that legitimate argument. People are going to go, yeah, tracks. That makes a lot of sense. So I'm really excited for this upcoming season. It's not as much as a free kick as last year was. You know, they took some swings. We need to see Zaire Williams at least have some development this year. We need, like, hopefully Steven Adams works out. I think he will. I'm not really too worried about that. Jarrett Culver is a fun little prospect possibility that they have, too, very similar to the Josh Jackson situation. Just the difference was Josh Jackson, his bagger is off the court. Jarrett Culver's is unfortunately on the court. But, you know, Memphis is a place that it's a reclamation project for a whole bunch of people. So, Jarrett Culver, step on up at your turn. That would be really cool to see. But to your point, too, it's just the depth of this team is really exciting because, you know, you have people out there saying, DeAnthony Melton is a possible six-man-of-the-year uh, contender. And then you even have guys like Kyle Anderson who's there where you can put him anywhere that you need him. And it's just – I'm really excited about the possibilities with this team. It's kind of like the Tigers. The Tigers' ceiling is much, much, much higher. I think they could really compete for a championship. The Grizzlies are still like three or four years away from being that, I think. But you're going to see flashes this year more so than you will next year. Like, I think that there will be moments where you'll see Ja, Jaron, Dylan all just – cooking in the same game and it's going to be really exciting because that and at some point is going to just beca- become a reality i want to ask you this though so a lot of conversation around john Morant has been about his three-point shooting during the playoffs we saw chris paul just work people from mid-range jaw's already really good for mid-range in my opinion jaw needs to get that three-point percentage up to like 36 percent 37 percent just be respectable from three. You'll hit about two a game, two or five, something like that. Like you just, they can't leave you wide open. You're going to knock it down if they do. 
if he became, becomes absolutely lethal from 16 to 18 feet, no one's going to be able to stop him. No one will be able to stop him because he can get by any defender. He's going to be able to get by anybody. So if he has them on his back and he's able to do that floater every single time like Chris Paul does, good luck. So I, in my opinion, I'm like, yeah, Jaws three-point shooting, it's a big deal. That's like he, he can work on that. He's all, but he's not as bad as people want to make it out to see him. He got better last year. He's going to be fine. I'm not that worried about Jaws from three. But if he can really, really, really lock down on that mid-range game and become automatic from there, which he damn near is now, but if he can really become out automatic from there, the defenses aren't going to know what to do. They're just not going to know what to do because they can't collapse on him because we got a bunch of three-point shooters now. Throw the ball out, Jaron, boom. Dylan, boom. It's so exciting, the possibilities that we have with a guy like John Morant to initiate that offense. There's so many things he can do. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, I, I think the midi is key because it's not even Chris Paul. Like, you had Devin Booker doing it. And in the bubble, you had Donovan Mitchell, Jamal Murray. They did it. CJ McCollum does it to kind of, like, go ahead. I mean, in the final, uh, Chris Middleton. In the oh, finals, Chris Middleton, dude. another one. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Like, when you go and you look, like, Three-point shooting is really important for the NBA. It is. But go and you look at the championships, dude. Most of the teams aren't great three-point shooters the last few seasons. It's at the end of the day, can you get a bucket when you need to at the rim from mid-range? Because teams at the end of the game, they're going to defend that three-point line really well. I think the Warriors were just so ungodly from three for so many years that it kind of messed up people's perception of it. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, they were winning, but they were also by far the best three-point shooting team in the league. So, like, that... That lined up. You had two all-time, you could argue, the two greatest three-point shooters ever on the same team in their primes at the same time. And then you added Kevin Durant. No shit they won championships by shooting threes. But then you look at teams the last few seasons, it's been the mid-range game. It's been, it's been getting to the rim. It's been defense. Three-point shooting helps, but to take it all the way home, you need defense and you need a mid-range game. And I, that's something that I think the Grizzlies absolutely have the potential for. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's already got a down with the floater. I mean, he carved Golden State in that playing game with that floater. Exactly. The, 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 nail, the nail in the coffin was a little floater. He got the guy on his back, got around, got him on his back. Boom. See you, see you, see you later. Bye. Yeah, and then also, too, I think people also just they kind of ignored the fact that, you know, they, rid off, they wrote off that shooting slump as, oh, John Morant can't shoot. People were comparing his shooting to Ben Simmons. I'm like, dude, at least Ja shoots them. Like, he actually right. shoots them. And we started to see a little more sense of normalcy towards the end of the season uh, in April, in 17 games in April. And keep in mind, this is with very little rest. They're playing a lot of back-to-backs or right. one-day rest in between. So 17 games in April. He shot 66 threes, which in about, like, a little under four game at 41% from three. And then in Boom. May, it, start, it was like more of like 33. And then we also saw in the play-in, he hit five threes. Like, the shot's there. And it's not going to be the ultimate deciding factor of John Morant's game. I think it's going to be a focal point of his development because he's going to make it one. He he likes that fuel. He, he likes those people comparing him to Ben Simmons, telling him that he can't shoot from three. Uh calling him Jamiki in his uh, comments on his tweets. Like, he likes that, and I think he will become a three-point shooter. But, man, if he gets to the point where he's scoring efficiently at three levels, at the rim, in the mid-range, and from three, 
while also just being a passing savant, it's game over. It is game right. over. And, and just be passable on defense. That's another thing. Like, if we want to be real about Ja, his defense is his worst, is the worst part of his game. But he's gonna get there. He's gonna get he's he'll he will get there on the defensive side of the ball. And for now, you have an absolute dog next to him in the name of Dylan Brooks. Dylan that Brooks. He can take the brunt force of it, man. Woohoo! I'm excited about Dylan next year, too. It's so much fun to actually have like the Grizzlies fans behind us and like partying on Dylan Brooks Island. Like when the last two years, it's been a war for us. And now to see everybody on the other end of it to where Dylan Brooks was in trade rumors last week. And you thought Grizzlies fans were going to burn down the FedEx forum if they traded Dylan Brooks. It was amazing to see. It made my heart so happy. Oh yeah, for sure. And one player I really want to touch on here real quick, because I think he's the biggest he in all this is Jaron Jackson Jr. And and honestly, his, his workout clips have been just some basketball serotonin for the past couple weeks. Huh. I mean, he's the fact that he's getting this offseason to work on his game, add some new stuff to his bag, it's huge. It's going to be huge for his game. So what, what are your expectations for Jaron Jackson Jr. this coming season? Like, Do you have him taking that leap, or do you think we're kind of – we're kind of exaggerating it a little bit, but also too, like they made the like these moves, like the Jonas Valanciunas trade was to give Jaron Jackson Jr. a runway to go right. be who he could be long term. Because in the reality of things, I think Steven Adams is going to be good, but you don't have to play him 25, 30 minutes a night. You could play him 20. You don't have to close with him. You don't have to get him 10 to 12 shots a game. You're you're able to just let him be that kind of like a glorified Kendrick Perkins. And Perk, if you're listening to this, I'm a big fan <laughs> of yours. This is no slander. I think that's about his role. He's that enforcer. He's going to go get rebounds. He's going to set hard screens for Ja. But when it comes down to winning time, you're going to have Jaron at the five, and you need that runway for him. So, so back to the original question. What are your expectations for Jaron Jackson Jr. in year four? Yeah, so Steven, like Steven Adams, he's there for the pick and roll on defense. That's why he's there. And the cleanup rebounds. Like, that's that's what he is. And to be honest, his best years came with a guy that plays exactly like Ja. Ja's, like, I think Ja's more efficient than Russell Westbrook was, but Westbrook was unreal when he was playing with Steven Adams those years. So I have a theory that Steven Adams is going to kind of kind of bounce back to those years when he's playing with a guy very similar. That's my theory. But with Jaron, I think you have to keep it in perspective, you know? I mean, this is a guy where – Last year when he came back, we asked him to get his sea legs under him in a playoff race and in the, and in the playoffs. Like, hey, man, we know you haven't played basketball in like a year, but here's some super high-pressure games. We expect you to be exactly like you were last time you saw you. Go! Like, that's not fair. Like, we, And, like, he didn't get an offseason, but now, like, he's going to get a normal offseason. He's able to work out. He's able to rehab completely. He's working on his game, it seems like, constantly. So I think with Jaron – I don't really want to set an expectation numbers wise with him. I just kind of want to see Jaron get back on the same track he was on before the injuries, just get back on the developmental track where every five games you go nuts. And we're like, Holy hell, I've seen God. And his name is Jaron Jackson jr. On the basketball court to this day. One of the greatest experiences I've ever had in the grindhouse is when he hit seven threes against the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm not kidding. I think I actually like blacked out and then came to after he hit one and was like, what happened? And, it, and everybody was just losing their minds. And like, mm -hmm. that's a real possibility for him in the future. So just get back to being comfortable shooting threes, get back to, you know, 
what's really exciting about the videos that we've seen is that he's been taking guys off of the dribble. And that's one thing that we were really excited about when Jaron first got drafted is that he's one of those guys, you know, he can take guys off the dribble as a big man. Like he's that type of unicorn. Also defensively, get the, get that footwork better, really become a rim protector. I think that's the next step for him too. The rebounding thing. I mean, y'all can do what you want with that. Like Steven Adams is going to get like 10 a game. You're going to like the Grizzlies rebound as a team. Like I don't really, and I, to be honest, I think, He's getting taller. He's getting bigger. He's going to figure out how to rebound. He knows that he needs to rebound. But I also think Steve Adams is going to be there just sucking him up. It's going to be like Mark and Zach. Like, how many people complained about Mark's rebounds? And then you'd be like, how many does Zach have? 16. It's like, well, there they are. It's like, exactly. So I, yeah. think that, I think that you're going to have some similar things with Jared. It's just, I mean, at, at the end of the day, get back on track of that development. Show some flashes of what you could be. Get him the damn extension already. That needs to happen. There's no real reason not to give him it. Give him the extension. But let's be honest. The biggest goal for Jaron this year is don't get hurt. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that's uh, at the end of the day, that's what it is. It's if Jaron's going to have a successful season, which I think he will, it's going to be because he was healthy. And I think that it's that simple. Like basketball, you can overcomplicate things, but with Jaron, it's, is he going to be healthy? Yes. Then he's going to have a really good season. Is he not going to be healthy? No, it's not going to be a good year. It's that simple. Absolutely. And you know, you bring up the extension. I'm not super worried about the extension right now because the only guys who have gotten extensions were Luca, Trey Young, SGA, and then Robert Williams at a very low cost. So you have your three easy max contract guys. And I think everyone else right now, it's like a negotiation. It's like, oh, we want the max, but let's try to find something that's close to the max, but not necessarily the max. Just I'm not really worried. I'm really not worried because DeAndre Ayton hasn't gotten his extension. Michael Porter Jr. hasn't gotten his extension. Colin Sexton, Mikhail Bridges, all players. No, what, I, what I mean about it is I'm like, don't not give it to him. Like that, don't oh, do yeah. that. Like, don't be like, don't be like, no, nah, we want to see another year. Don't do that. That's what I mean. I mean, I'm not talking about like, I'm worried that they're not going to do it, but the, it's the conversation around him of does he, should they give him the extension? I think is bananas. It, it makes no sense to me. Oh, yeah. Yes. You give him the extension. You give him the extension. And, I swear, and I swear to God, if it's the same money as Duncan Robinson, it, I, it, I, there's no way it will be, but like, mm. that's a fear of mine. You cannot give Jaron the same money you gave Duncan Robinson. Duncan Robinson is a good NBA player for what he does. But Jaron Jackson Jr. is a much better player. Yeah. I would say Jalen Brown's, I think yes. his last extension was like four years, 104. I think yeah, that's pretty yeah. solid. Yeah, four 100. That's kind of what I've been saying. Four 100, good to go. Absolutely. And so last thing on the Grizzlies, before we get to our 901 rapid fire questions, Connor, is what what is going to be that next step for the, the Grizzlies to take a leap as a team? And, you know, I will – give you the floor to where you can say if it's a external thing that must happen or an internal thing of was what they must do. Um, it's probably going to, I mean, a little bit of both column A, column B, like a little bit of a mixture there because it's going to be, I mean, if Zaire turns into what they think he could be, it's right there. That's the leap. Mm-hmm. Like that will be the leap. If Zaire's, if Zaire turns into what they think he can be, if Jaron stays healthy and Ja takes a leap, that's all you're really going to need. And if Dylan stays consistent, I think Dylan staying consistent is a big deal too. If he can stay consistent, if Melton can stay consistent, if Kyle can stay, stay consistent. So it's like, for me, it's consistency from the guys that made leaps last year. Maybe it's an incremental, you know, improvement from them. 
And then Jaron taking a leap, Ja taking a leap, and Zaire, Zaire at least showing that he could be part of that young core, I think is, is how you see the progress next season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I, I want you to hear me out on this. I think it, it, it's a combination of internal and external. I mean, like they could make a trade, but like it, there's just yeah. nothing, nothing on the horizon right now, really. And, Oh yeah. So my mine's honestly for one, the trade, because I think something will go down in the next 12 months. I think everything's aligning to that. I mean, why else would you have three pit first round picks in 2022? Like I, I think right. we can see well, and the cap, but yeah, exactly. And cap they're waiting for the next they're waiting for the next guy to be like, I want out. And they're gonna be like, Hey, guess what? <laughs> we got room. Wanna play with John Moran, Jaron Jackson Jr. Yeah. So real. I think my thing it's going to be that plus which of the holdovers from that trade. Which So at the guys, the young guys you keep, aside from John Jaron, who's going to step up to be that fourth guy or step up to be that fifth guy? Whether it's Dylan Brooks. I mean, he's already shown he can do that. Whether it's Dylan Brooks, DeAnthony Melton, Brandon Clark, Desmond Baines, Iyer Williams. Somebody's going to have to step up to – take on starter. That's what happens in consolidation. You're going to have to have somebody step up to play a role that they're not used to because you just lost some depth for more top end depth. So that that's my biggest thing. Can somebody else take a leap to where it's like, okay, I can see this person in the last five minutes of a Western conference finals game. That's what it boils down to for me. Right. I think Bain has a ton of potential to be that dude. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's I would have my money on Bane. Yeah, honestly, and Shot's it, just so damn pretty. Oh, I know. And if he's shooting them off the dribble, basically looking like a 2020s Eric Gordon, it's it's game. It's, it's Ooh, so much fun. You're talking dirty to me. I know, but you know what, Connor? Unless you have any final Grizzly things to add, I kind of just want to do this little 901 rapid fire for uh, 901 day. Not really, man. Just, just you know, keep the season in perspective. Keep mm-hmm. it in perspective. I know that we want them to win. They were in the playoffs last year, but I don't think this season's going to be graded on if they make the playoffs or not. I don't think that that's the litmus test for success. I think very much like last year, it's going to be all about development. Absolutely. It's just we need people taking some leaps. That's all. It'd that's be sweet if happen. they won, though. That'd be cool. Like, that'd be sweet, too. I'm just saying, like, if they don't, it's all going to be good. Absolutely. And so, Connor, I got some. I got five questions for you, all Memphis related for this rapid fire. You can elaborate as much as you want, as little as you want. It doesn't matter. But are you ready for this? Yes. All right. For one, favorite Grizzlies memory. Favorite Grizzlies memory. Um. Oh, beating the Clippers. I was at the game. I was the. I was at the game where Zach choked Slam Blake. That was just unreal. So yeah, that's got to be it. Winning that game in that playoff series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that's mine too. Same brain wavelength there, but that's my favorite. Number two, favorite Tigers memory? Ooh, football or basketball? Any of them. Oh, man, that's a tough one. I mean, damn. Um, Because my gut, like, I want to go with the Tigers one or a basketball one, but if I'm being completely honest, beating Ole Miss for the <sighs> first time was unbelievable. I'm sorry, but like, I was there and it was insane. So I'm going to have to go with that. One of the best days of my life. You don't understand. Like I grew up a Memphis fan and that was the first time they played when I was an Ole Miss student. 
So that was painful to watch, especially when all I had, I had friends. Especially how your coach called the damn game. He was terrible. Yeah, I know. It's I, I had Alabama, my Alabama friends tell me, oh, y'all lost to Memphis. I'm like, didn't we beat y'all like last month? Like, this is also really good when we, when they beat Ole Miss. Like, oh, yeah, really no, good. they were both teams were awesome. It was a great football yeah. game. But uh, my my favorite is probably around the national championship time. Uh, our school allowed us to be out of uniforms to wear Memphis Tigers gear. Yeah, so I remember that. It is prolonged every single day. Like, oh, they're they're in the final four. Wear your Tiger stuff. Oh, national championship. Wear your uh, Tigers gear on Monday. And we had like banners and stuff. It was super cool. The little memory I yeah. had. Not them necessarily curb stomp, Like them curb stomping UCLA was pretty cool too. Like beat the brains off of them, dude. I, oh, yeah. it's, I've said it. I've said it a few times. I I think you could argue that's the most talented team that did win championship in college basketball. I know I'm a homer with that, but like, just go look at what they did to some of those teams, man. For sure. All right, we got three more here. Favorite hangout spot? It could be anything. Bars, parks, whatever you want. What's your favorite hangout spot? Other than Malco, because I'm such a movie nerd, and I and it's just that's one of my homes. Um. I love rec room, big rec room guy. I hope they can bounce back after the pandemic, but you know, wise acres, my spot, man. Like, you know that I'm a big beer guy. Wise acres, my spot. Uh, you went there this past weekend for cats B day and it was really fun. The OG wise acres, my place, man. I love that place. For sure. I'm going to have to say rail garden. Just is just oh, solid one. Yeah. Laughlin rail garden, all of them. I mean, there's, that's one great thing about Memphis is that, you know, with the growth recently, there's just so many things to do here. Oh Yeah. Absolutely. And then we, and we got also two, this is going to be the tough one. I think this is really going to leave you thinking for at least a minute, but favorite Memphis place to eat. Huey's. Oh, wow. That was quick. I it's, hope Amari is listening to this. He's going to, you can get, uh, he's, he's out of town or it doesn't count. That doesn't count. <laughs> you, you can't, you cannot judge Huey's from out of town. Get out of my face. It's you can get everything that you want from Huey's. You can't get barbecue as much as anywhere else. I, do they have barbecue? They might. I'm not even sure. But you, Huey's never disappoint. You walk in and you know exactly what you're going to get and you get exactly what you want. They have great beer deals. You always see somebody that you know. It's kind of like one of the, it's, I kind of look at Huey's as like a watering hole from Memphis where you just, that's just kind of where everybody goes. It doesn't matter what, what price they live in or, or what tax bracket there. It does it just does not matter. It's, People come together at Huey's. I, it, it's, it's an establishment of Memphis. I love it so much. Absolutely. I'm going to, you know, I love my Carnival spots of Booyah's, Skybox. Ooh. But I'm going to have to go with Dyer's Burgers on Beale Street. Those are just Ooh. absolutely undefeated. And necess- they, if you are wearing a Grizzlies jersey to Dyer's and it's a game day, they will know and they will get your order out quick. Like huh. They will get it out quick so you can make it in time for the game. So I think a, a, a harder question would be, what's your favorite barbecue spot in Memphis? It's, that's not really, it's not that hard for me. It's central because there's so much. See, that's, it is for me too. It's, a, it's the same thing for me. It's the versatility and those barbecue notches absolutely slap. Absolutely. So final question, probably the easiest question of them all. And this is really just free advertisement for all of our Memphis spots here, but favorite Memphis beer. Oh, tiny bomb. Like that's a free space for me, man. Didn't even have to ask me that. Uh, it's always got a six pack of Tiny Bomb in the fridge, rocking that. I've been trying to get them as a sponsor for years, but I think that they're so popular that they don't they don't need my tiny voice on 99 ESPN 
help them the mat at all. But it, it's got to be it's got to be Tiny Bomb. I absolutely love it. I'm a big fan of all the breweries though. I think that Memphis, because I mean it's it's because we're blessed with the greatest water in the world. Everybody else can suck it. We have the best water. Mm-hmm, if you're listening absolutely. from out of town, I'm sorry, but like that that's what it is. And because of that great water, we have great beer. So sweet. For sure. No, I'm going to end up like cutting snippets of these, this last little segment out so that we can send it to these companies. Like, Hey, want to sponsor us? Like we, right, we love exactly. your stuff. We said it on our yeah. podcast, but my favorite one is from a, a brewing company that really kind of went on the come up like last year. It's from grind city brewing mm-hmm. and it's the poppy pills Pilsner. Like, it I've is, never had that. They have it at Kroger. They have six packs of them. It is absolutely delicious it is my favorite love, local beer i love that this podcast has turned into just two white dudes talking about brewed beer and, and like ipas and you know people are out there like y'all like that trash and we're like yes we do yes we that's, do i think it's inherently a white guy thing that's why we talked about it at the end of the show is because <laughs> everybody else would tune out they could tune out and it's just it's just we're rolling with our alcoholics i know jay's still listening absolutely Yes, I appreciate all the listeners out there still listening to uh, two white guys talking about craft beer. Y'all, y'all are real <laughs> for, for listening. But you know what, Connor? That's all we have for the 901 day edition of the Long View. You have any final remarks? Want to plug in your stuff before we sign off here? Yeah, it's, uh, I don't have any final remarks. Kind of said all I need to say, but you know, follow me on Twitter at cdotty929. Make sure you listen to Giannato and Jeffrey every single day from 2 to 4 CT uh, and all the other shows. I fill in on, on most of the other sh- shows at least once a week, which is a lot of fun. Um, listen to Sound of Color. Subscribe on Apple and iTunes. That's one of the really fun podcasts I do with my boy, Isaiah Downey. And then also come check me out every Tuesday at TJ Mulligan's on Madison Avenue, like Parker said. We have a ton of fun there. I host trivia. It's free to play. It's free to play. $3 pint night. We have a ton of fun. I play good music. Come hang out with me if you're not tired of my voice already. And then, uh, you know, y'all keep an eye out for something that might be coming, a project of mine that might be coming here pretty soon. I got an announcement on the horizon. Can't talk about it too much yet, but it's pretty exciting. Y'all got to tune in. I, I don't I don't really know what it is, or maybe I'm pretending. You know what it is. Okay, I know what it is. All right. Yeah, I know yeah. what it is. You're definitely going to want to tune in for this. But you can find me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. And I really want to give a special shout out to all the feedback I got on my Memphis Tigers post on my personal blog, parkerflemingblog.com. It was great. Thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, make sure you're following our Grizzlies content over at grizzlybearblues.com. We are still pumping out content in the dog days of the NBA offseason. So check that out. Check out our podcast network on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcast. And that's it on this week's edition of the Longview Podcast.